You are listening to UBC Waco Podcast. <laughs> are you recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. We can use that as just a scratch track for now. Good morning. I don't know where to go. I'm going to stop here. Hope it's not a problem. <laughs> um, I am so thankful to be here with all of you. Um, a thing that I always like to say when I get an opportunity to preach here at UBC is uh, thank you. Uh, and I say it because um, I am thankful for this place and for all of you, but also to remind us that there are places where this um, moment is not accessible. There are places and spaces where um, the pulpit is not an accessible space for women. Um, and so I am very thankful um, to get the chance to preach here at UBC. And um, I'm thankful to work and be at the kind of place that um, makes room for women in the pulpit. And uh, we're actually going to be hearing a number of women in the pulpit this summer, which I'm very excited about, a number of community members. And so um, I'm just thankful to be here in this place, particularly in this space. And um, uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that. Um, and I'm thankful that we have a church where like women are afforded the ability to steward a message from God. And I don't take it lightly. So... I'm excited to be here with you today to learn and grow, um, and I just think of what is prayed over us weekly. Um, may the Spirit empower you to hear the words that I'm about to speak in both meaning and intent, and may you be formed by them in the same way that the Spirit formed me this week as I wrote them. And actually, this topic is something I've been thinking about a lot lately, so I am excited that... Um, I'm going to get a chance to kind of speak about it, and it's something I've wanted, I've been wanting to say to all of you, so, um, so I'm just really excited, and I hope, um, you know, I hope we're all formed today uh, by the Spirit of God, so I'm going to start by reading the Romans text for us uh, again as we get started. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to heirship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ it is, if indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory. Uh, and so now, I can't believe what I'm about to do, a thing truly I swore I would never do. So, um, you know, a reminder to all of you to never say never, just like Justin Bieber taught us. Um, so, I'm gonna start this sermon by talking about the Enneagram. <laughs> Um, so uh, I know that for a lot of you that's like okay great yeah blah 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 um, and there are those of you who know the Enneagram who love the Enneagram and like I'm speaking your language but I also know that sentiment is not shared by everyone um, and I know that not everyone knows the system 
And so it's why I try not to use it in large groups teaching settings. But uh, and more than that, I know some people are like rolling their eyes maybe. Hopefully not. Um, but uh, here's the thing. I have for many years, like me personally, been using the Enneagram to do my own personal like growth and self-work. So it's just like it is the language I speak, if that is helpful to you. And I'm not going to prescribe anything to anybody. Or I don't think I mentioned any other numbers, um, just my own number. So that's where we are. Um, but even more than the Enneagram, I'm just talking about my own experience. So like the way that I move through the world. Um, I am an Enneagram too. Uh, so I should be careful to say that not everyone else who is an Enneagram too will resonate with this. This is, um, it's just my personal experience of walking through the world. Um, but really quickly, if you have any knowledge of Enneagram 2s, if you have, like are in personal relationship or just like you've studied a lot, you know what 2s are supposed to be like, um, could you like maybe shout some things out about what, what your idea of a 2 is? Caring and a helper. That is so nice. Um, <laughs> That is, and that is like all those things are like the um, typical like uh, things that we understand when we learn about twos. Those are like the top things. Um, and so I was nervous that it would get a little mean. Um, so <laughs> I'm glad that didn't happen. Um, I didn't. Uh, okay. So uh, when I tell people I'm a two, I generally get like two reactions. Um, I get some people that are like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. You're so nice. And I'm like, oh, tricked you. Uh, and so, which is like, <laughs> it's not true exactly, but. Um, and then occasionally you meet someone who's like in a in deep relationship with two or like their mom is a two or something like that. And they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> And neither of those are great. I mean, it's always great to, for people to think you're nice or whatever, but uh, sometimes you're like, wow, I should have kept that to myself. Um, I think twos are enigmas. I think we're a little more complicated than people give us credit for. We're all enigmas, I think. Um, but we are present focused. Um, so that, I mean, that means like we are in the present all the time. There are uh, numbers that are like focused in the future, focused in the past. I have a hard time imagining those things. Um, this week, my friend Kristen was talking about her husband, who's also a two. And she was like, sometimes I'm like, we should paint this wall. And he's like, I truly cannot imagine what that would look like. And that is exactly how I am also. She's like, I have to go draw it on my iPad. And then he's like, oh yeah, that looks nice. Um, it is very hard for me to imagine things changing or being different. And um, so, let's see, what else did I have? We lead with our feelings. Uh, I, I have recently had to instate like a 15-minute rule for myself because sometimes I am so angry or sad or, you know, mad at something and, or at some sort of injustice. Well, no, I stay mad at injustices. But um, there are... You know, like uh, the way someone treated me or someone said something to me and I'm like, I have to go confront them right now. This is not okay. And then 15 minutes later, I'm like, you know what? It's not really that bad. 
I think it's fine. They probably didn't even mean it. So I wait 15 minutes and everything's okay. Um, uh, so uh, we also are thinking repressed. Um, I think, well, uh, that doesn't mean we don't think, but it just means it's like the last thing we get to. So I have feelings, we do, I do things, and then I'm like, wow, what was, was that a good idea? <laughs> Who could know? So <laughs> uh, I seem to understand that's not how everyone moves through the world. And so it's like, this is my own self-work, right, of pulling up, like, I should think before I just kind of do a, a feeling gut reaction situation. Um, another thing about twos, my favorite thing that I don't normally tell people, so this is it, is uh, most of us are thinking about people like all of the time. So um, just way more than you have ever thought about a single person in your life. I have thought about you, like you sitting in your chair. Like I am thinking about human beings all 100% of the time. 100% my sister's responding to me now. Um, I'm always thinking about a human, which is, I don't know. I mean, it just is, you know what I mean? And uh, I think about other things. I try to bring up other things in my thinking. Um, but some of what this looks like um, is about once a week, uh, because I'm thinking about humans so often, I am often sort of injured because I don't feel like they are also thinking about me, which is a silly thing. Kareem is, I got Kareem's support. Um, but, so some of what this looks like in my life is about once a week, I'll turn to my sister and I will truly say, with all of my chest, I'm just feeling really sad because I don't have any friends. And I will mean it. I'll be like, in my body, I will feel like I have zero friends. And um, I think that's hard for other people to understand because, I mean, that's not a true statement. I have plenty of friends. Uh, but still in my body, I will feel like I don't have a friend in the world. Kathleen will get really offended because um, she'll be like, well, I'm your friend. Uh, and I'll be like, you're my sister. It's different. <laughs> and also she'll look at me and be like, that is a very stupid thing you're saying. Uh, you have plenty of friends. And then I'll think about it for a little bit, and I'll have to concede that I do indeed have some friends. And then she'll list off some other friends. Um, and I'll think about it a little bit more. And then I'll think about it a little bit more, and I'll start to feel better. I'll be like, okay, I have friends. Um, I have plenty of friends. But the feelings always come back, you know? The feeling of like not being accepted enough or wanted enough or loved enough. And um, what I've learned in my own like journey is that some of that is because the missed childhood message of the two, um, the thing that twos did not hear enough in childhood was you are wanted. So like that is a thing I'm working through in my own personal self-growth is um, that I, I missed that message. It doesn't mean no one gave it to me, but it means that for whatever reason in my own head, I didn't hear it, you know? 
And so getting over that and moving through that and figuring out how to understand that I am wanted and loved, that is like my personal self-work. Um, doesn't have anything to do with you guys, but the reality is that we all have something, right? Like I don't know what it is for you, but something that stops us from feeling like we are good or like we are wanted, something that stops us from believing that we are seen and that we are safe, that we matter, something that stops us from believing that we will be taken care of and that our presence matters and that we are fully loved just the way we are and that that love will hold. We will not be betrayed. And I can't know, you know, what that is for you, unless you tell me, I guess. Um, but I don't know what stops you from that understanding that you are loved by the divine God in a way that can never be taken away. That you are permanently loved by the creator of the universe. I don't know um, what stops you from believing that. And maybe it's nothing. Maybe you're the healthiest human in all of history. But I know that some of it for me is that I have a hard time feeling wanted. And so texts like ours today are help, very helpful for me. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to heirship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. The idea that the Holy Spirit testifies on our behalf within the Godhead itself that we are heirs, co-heirs even, beloved children of God, so that when we cry out to God, however and whatever that looks like, when we cry out to God, we are greeted as children, as not just members of the family, but as heirs, as close and loved as can be. When we cry out, we are greeted as ones so beloved that we were chosen to carry on the legacy. When I read that, when I remember these promises that have been made to me and also to us, to all of us, it is a helpful reminder. It is easier to remember I am loved, I am wanted. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, a message that many of us heard in childhood, in the first years of our lives, and a message that's easy to forget. You are taken care of, you are safe, you are wanted, you are deeply, deeply loved. 
And I, I know that actually many of you have heard a different message. That's some of what gets in the way, right? That you are only what you produce. That if you aren't constantly striving, that you are lazy or a failure. Even messages from within the church, that you are permanently fallen, stained, that you're totally depraved, that you must work and work and work to rid yourself of sin, or even that you might work and work and work and it doesn't work out, that you aren't chosen. I've been obsessed for months, like really months, um, with an old and very famous John Piper sermon uh, that I just missed. I mean, I think I was in middle school when he preached it, so maybe I just missed him. But I probably had like five very intense conversations about this sermon in the last like three weeks. Like I just keep bringing it up. Are we at coffee? I will talk to you about this sermon. Um, but in it, he compares the lives of two different like groups of people, two different couples, um, how they lived at the end of their lives. So I'm going to read this portion to you so we can think about it. Three weeks ago, we got word at our church that Ruby Eliaison and Laura Edwards had, been, had both been killed in Cameroon. Ruby was over 80, single all her life. She poured it out for one great thing, to make Jesus Christ known among the unreached, the poor, and the sick. Laura was a medical doctor, pushing 80 years old, and serving at Ruby's side in Cameroon. The brakes failed, the car went over the cliff, and they were both killed instantly. And I asked my people, was that a tragedy? Two lives driven by one great vision, spent in unheralded service to the perishing poor for the glory of Jesus Christ. Two decades after all their American counterparts have retired to throw their lives away on trifles in Florida or New Mexico. No, that is not a tragedy. That is a glory. This is still John Piper. I'll tell you what a tragedy is. I'll read to you from the Reader's Digest, February 1998 version, what a tragedy is. Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. I would like to know what that retirement plan is. Um, now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their trawler, play softball, and collect shells. The American dream, come to the end of your life, your one and only life, and let the last great work before you give an account to your creator be, I collected shells. See my shells. That is a tragedy. And people today are spending billions of dollars to persuade you to embrace that tragic dream, and I get 40 minutes to plead with you, don't buy it. Well, there's nothing new under the sun. So I'm sure that someone has said this before, but I am in this pulpit today to tell you, friends, that God wants to see your seashell collection. 
God delights in your seashell collection. Just like a healthy and loving parent, God is excited to see your seashell collection. God knows everything about you and loves you exactly as you are. And we could ask hypothetical questions about these people all day, right? We could ask, uh, what if Ruby and Laura were like really mean? I don't know. And what if they mistreated everyone they knew? And what if Penny always gave her extra money to really good charities, okay? Really good ones. She did her research. And Bill spent half his life advocating for dyslexia education. What if we spent our time talking about these things and thinking about these people's lives in more nuanced ways? Well, I'll tell you, that would be better than that sermon, okay? That would be more helpful. But also... These questions are of no consequence. It does not matter what Ruby or Laura or Bill or Penny did at the end of their lives. When they met the creator, the first thing they experienced was love. Never ending. And please don't hear me saying that like, as Christians, we aren't called to live in a certain way. Because I do believe we are. I, I do believe that uh, the love we experience calls us to a certain type of life. Absolutely. But what I mean to say right now is that the love comes before that. That before we begin asking the questions about how to live, we can rest in the truth that we are good enough. That we are loved in a way that is more than we can imagine. We can rest in the words we sing together as a community that the love of God is broader than the measure of our minds. And the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. Even John Calvin, the originator of Calvinism, understood that people needed to know that they're loved. The idea of predestination came out of his attempts of pastoring his congregation well. Every week, a different congregation member came forward to ask how they could know that they were loved by God, that they were going to heaven. So eventually, Calvin began to tell them that the way that they could know they were loved by God is because they were predestined. And how can we know we're predestined, they said. And he would answer them by saying, because you're here. You're already here. You are already here. Things are a mess right now. Um, I don't know about you, but things are kind of going crazy in my life and the world around me. Um, if I were in charge of changing things, I certainly would. And I think at the center of a lot of it, there are a lot of us who do not understand our own value. A lot of us who don't understand that we are already here, that we are already loved 
that we are deeply and meaningfully loved and free to live in that love. A lot of people who don't understand that everyone is deeply and meaningfully loved. And understanding how we are loved helps us understand that it matters how we treat each other. It matters how we treat ourselves. We are loved, we are known, we are created in the image of God. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. UBC, may we be a people who rest in the love of God. May we trust that we are loved. And may we be a people who help others do the same. Let's pray. Creator God, we are so thankful that you have chosen us. Help us as we move through this week. Help us to remember that we are loved and that that cannot be taken away. And because of that love, we are free. Free to choose how we treat ourselves and free to care for and love others well. It's in your name we pray.